0: Well, welcome to another Sunday night church service. Thank you for coming and uh, participating in this together. It's great to see each one here. I think there might be some room for a few more people, but not too many more. Um, does anyone have anything that they'd like to share about what the Lord is doing in their lives or some blessings or prayer request, or something like that? Just a little testimony time. Anybody? Anything going on?
1: Nothing major, but I've had stuck in my head for the last couple of days. Um, I guess the progression of godly characteristics that Peter outlines in Second Peter. So um, I'll butcher it, but add uh, make every effort to add to your faith, um, virtue, and then not in any order: self-control, steadfastness brotherly love or brotherly affection and love, and I probably missed one. Um, But I just had that little snippet stuck in my head because then Peter says, because if you have these things in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being ineffective in the Lord's service, essentially. And so it's been a good challenge to myself to just think through, okay, how am I doing on each virtue or each characteristic and am I actually doing it? because we can, we can kind of reverse engineer it, right? We can look and see, ask ourselves, are we effective for the Lord's service right now? Maybe we are. And so we can look back at those characteristics and say, God has worked in my heart to be better at my brotherly affection, for example. Or we answer, no, we actually haven't been very effective in God's service lately. Maybe that's a challenge for us to find out where we haven't been following closely God's characteristics for us. So anyway, that's been on my head and my heart this week. That's a
0: good text to have in your heart, for sure. Becky.
2: This week I read this verse in Hosea, and it is going to be my favorite verse for the year, I think, because so I just want to share it. Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap steadfast love, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you.
0: That's a good passage too. Did I see your hand up, John?
3: Um, <clears throat> a few weeks ago, as I was reading through uh, the Book of Exodus, um, I came across this verse. this, and it's this is Moses is talking to God. And he says, if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. Part of that, as I read that and I reread it, and I thought that's rather interesting because um, it wasn't long before this, Moses had spent 40 days on the mountain with God. And he had been, you know, he'd seen the burning bush, he had seen, you know, all of the uh, plagues and miracles done in Egypt, the crossing of the Red Sea. Uh, he had done so much with God at this point. And yet his prayer was, if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. And I got thinking about that, wow, of all he's been through, he still doesn't, Believe he has enough of God, you know, and he was going to go back up on a mountain again, and he was going to see more of God, you know. Not so much that it killed him, but it was enough to make him glow. And I thinking, you know, really, isn't that what we should want? No matter how much we know God, we should want to know Him more. So, um,
4: Monday of the week uh, last week, we um, had the joy of being with our grandson. Who lives in Jenison, and um, for um, canoe experience, and um, he he said that he was sitting in church, um, and it um, and this what the pastor said something, and and he felt like it really applied to him, you know, like he was really listening, and that that's so neat to see, you know, God speaking to young people, and he's. 13, but I, he, um, he doesn't veneer things, you know, he just, um, he's very real, so that was neat to hear that.
0: Well, those are good things to share, thank you, and I want us to be in the habit of that because it's, we encourage one another when we hear the gospel from each other's voices and experiences. <clears throat> Um, let me recap a little bit. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Joel, that passage in Second Peter 1 has been formative for me for sure too. And the um, first time I heard it taught well, um, the sequence was add to your faith, goodness, and goodness, knowledge, and knowledge, self-control. And then that uh, fifth one is perseverance. And the teacher tried to point out that as you spiral up these sequences of, of uh, character qualities, when you encounter suffering is when it really booms. And when we go through um, something that requires us to have perseverance, then what comes out the other side of that is godliness, brotherly kindness, and love, which is, um, it's interesting even that, that the text differentiates brotherly kindness from love because the brotherly kindness is the one that uh, is the flail where Jesus says do you love me and Peter answered back you know that I brotherly kind you and Jesus said do you love me the other kind and so there's there's a sequence progression there too that first we like each other as brothers and sisters in Christ but then we grow to love each other in that agape way where it's sacrificial and powerful so um, it's a good it's a good Uh, sequence to look at our lives through and I think that um, almost any one of us if you laid it out and looked and laid it out over your life history you would see that God had worked in that way that you spent a lot of time learning about God so adding to your faith goodness and knowledge and then maybe some self-control that's you know increasing spiritual victory but the times of suffering have been the times when you really get refined and you come out with godliness and love. And so it was kind of an interesting paradigm on our, our story. The other thing that I, the second thing I want to recap on is Becky's, your text, you said that you sow righteousness. Is that what you said? So the, um, the idea again of fruit, right? That it, as much as Paul, uh, Peter says to make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, and knowledge, you're supposed to cooperate with the Spirit. It's really His Spirit that does the work in us and so we're not supposed to make ourselves smarter, lover more of uh, better, uh, you know, rather than another better or persevere we're supposed to let God do that in our lives by yielding to his work and so I like that reminder that we're sowing and God produces the fruit yeah. in case that didn't get recorded, so the idea of sowing righteousness, the, the thing that you reap is the love of God is loving faithfulness and then he rains righteousness on you, you seek righteousness and he gives more rightness back to you, which then is a cool segue to the text that you read, John, was the idea that Moses, having known God so well, is only more thirsty to know him better and to have Him, God show him his ways. Isn't that something? I was thinking today, what is it going to be like to actually just be able to talk to God and interact with him? Conversationally in heaven. And the thought occurred to me, and I don't know if it's necessarily valid or not, but the thought occurred to me I bet that we will be surprised how undifferent it is than what we already have. We already get to experience an inner communion with Him. And I don't, it's certainly going to be better, right? Paul says we're going to see even as we are seeing, we're going to understand, you know, the, the, darkness and our confusion will go away. So in those days, it's going to be great, right? We're going to be made perfect as he is perfect. But I think we're not, I think we're going to be surprised how not different it is. What God's faithfulness, his spirit already communicates with us in a way that is just as significant. And um, it might be unbridled without sin for sure, but you understand what I'm saying is that we get to grow and know him more and more forever and ever. And so then finally back to what you said, Marie, too, is to have the gospel fall on the ears of young ones and have their heart hear that, you know, that's the beginning of wisdom and the beginning of those things. And that relationship with God is awesome. So so thanks for the sharing those things. <clears throat> Anyone else at all? Okay. Well, I wanted to continue on with our series on prayers, and there was one more. In Colossians that I wanted us to talk about, and, uh, but I want to review the ones we had from before. So the first one was, we always thank God. We heard, remember Paul said, they, they heard of their faith. They thanked him that they had heard of their love for all of us people. And Paul acknowledges that these spring from the hope that's stored up in heaven. So the hope we have, so look at those words, faith, love, and hope again. And then the gospel produces fruit everywhere. And so the gospel is doing this work, just like we've already said tonight. And then he says, and later he says, therefore, we've not stopped praying for you, right? We're asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives. And so uh, one of Paul's requests is that we would become full of the knowledge of God's will. And we understand that that comes through the spirit, not just through Our own. You can't go to class and learn it academically. You need the Spirit's involvement to know God's will. And then also he said that we would live a life worthy of the Lord and then please him in every way. And whether or not that's two requests, to live a life worthy of the Lord and then secondly to please him in every way, or it's just two ways to say the same thing. Living a life worthy of the Lord is what it means to please him in every way. Either way, those are strongly related. And then... If you look at that particular request, then Paul adds four sub-requests. So bearing fruit in every good work. So we prayed for one another that we would bear fruit together in the good works that we have in front of us. And so when you um, have a task to do, like perhaps your duty is to be a greeter at the door, we pray that God would bear fruit by the way that you greet people when they come. Right. So you're trying to do a good work for Jesus. And we realize that we can't charm someone or persuade them to want to be part of the church because we're so friendly and we know how to know we're asking God to bear fruit and have somebody's need met. And maybe we'll hear something or we'll say something that will be an encouragement to someone. So we're asking God to bear fruit in every good work that we try to do, uh, whether it's mowing your lawn or doing the laundry, whatever good work, everything that you know is in front of you to do, we should do it and expect God to bear fruit, like Becky said, from, not like Becky said, like Hosea said, is it Hosea, right? Um, we, we do the good work of righteousness and God, we, we sow it and then God bears fruit. Okay, and then um, growing in the knowledge of God, so we want to get to know him better. Does that sound like anything else we talked about, John? Right. Moses wants to get to know God better. Show me your ways. I want to know him more than just what he does, more than just the being able to quote his scripture. I want to know his ways, the way that he works. God works in interesting ways. One of the um, patterns that I had learned, and I think it's in the Bible, is one of the ways that God works is he likes to, there's a, a pattern that, there's often a, a vision, a goal that will happen. And then there's sort of a death of the vision and then a supernatural fulfillment. And so God gives us an idea or a goal or a prize. Then we watch that prize die or fail from our perspective. And then God comes through and wins and he does it in a way that only he could have done. There are so many patterns, so many stories in the Bible that follow that pattern. Can you think of one? What would be a story that follows a pattern the ways of God that he gives an idea or somebody has a goal, it fails, or it looks like it's ruined, and then God comes through and miraculously does so. Marie. I
4: think when Joseph had all those dreams that, you know, he was, he was young, but he was thinking, This is really interesting, and um, he could not have foretold what God's plan was.
0: That's an excellent example because he had the vision. Literally, he had the dreams that he was going to be ruler, and that even his brothers would would come and honor him, and even his mother and father. And then it was totally destroyed. He was sold out. He was sold as a slave, and it was all ruined. And he was cast into prison. And then only God could do what He did, and give Pharaoh that dream, and give Joseph the interpretation, and He winds up saving the whole world from famine, and actually saving his family. And so there's a class on Abraham, right? Where you, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. You're going to have the you see the stars. You can't even count them. That's what your family is going to be like. And then. Sarah's barren and there's no hope. And so they try to fix it themselves with Hagar and it all messes up. And, and then there's a miraculous birth that Sarah in her old age has a baby. And you know, pattern after story after story is that way. Jesus is gonna be the Messiah. He's gonna rule. You. Is this the one? Could this be the one It's gonna be awesome? And then he dies on the cross, completely defeated. They had no idea. They thought it was all over. They ran and hid. And on the third day, he raises from the dead and, and has power and glory more than anyone could have ever possibly imagined. So that's one of the ways of God is that he, he gives us an image and then we learn that it's only through him that it can ever happen. So um, that's the kind of thing when I say, well, when Moses said, show me your ways, we want to know how he thinks and how he works. And this is why I think it's also better To memorize a whole passage than to memorize a bunch of individual verses separate from each other because you want to see how God thinks. You want to see how he reasons and what leads from this thought to that thought to that thought. And so growing in the knowledge of God is certainly one of the things that we should pray for. And then being strengthened with all power, right? We want to be able to endure. And so this is part of that you know, the, the eight things that are in Second Peter, add to your faith, goodness, goodness, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, and self-control, perseverance. Right? We need to have great endurance and patience. We have to go through suffering. And so it's easy to give in and to fight and lose the battle. And so we need great endurance and patience. So this is another big theme of the scriptures. And then joyfully giving thanks to the Father. You know, for me, that's a prayer request I probably um, fail at the most. I'm just not joyful very often. It just feels like, and I might have endurance and patience, but man, I'm, I'm, I look like Atlas carrying the world on his back sometimes. You know what I'm trying to say? And so I need to, to practice. I need to ask God to help me joyfully give thanks. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the suffering even of this day. Count it all joy, brothers, when you face trials of different kinds, James tells us. Uh, rejoice and be glad, Jesus says, because great is your reward in heaven. So I need to not get uh, dauber-downed by sorrows, all right? So those are good things, and, you know, if you have a hard time remembering why to be joyful, just start thinking about the inheritance, right? We get to be in the kingdom of light. And then he wraps up that prayer in chapter one, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So those are good reasons to be joyful. All right, so this is the new prayer and the last prayer in the book of Colossians that I could find. And it's near the end of the book in Colossians chapter four. And Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Help me understand, you guys are good scholars, and I'll give you the mic. What is it? What does it mean to be watchful? What does that word mean? Help me understand what watchful. Why, why is he saying being watchful? What are synonyms? What other things could that mean, do you think? Who would like to help me out with that? From the military being a lookout. So watchful is from the military being being uh, alert of uh, watching out, right? What other things, what other aspects of watchfulness? What does that mean? Why, why would Paul tell us to be watchful? What's the, what's the danger that we're trying to avoid? The Lord's coming, Gene said, right? So there's an anticipation of a future hope. What other things?
4: If we're devoting ourselves to prayer, we better be watchful to see that God answers our prayer.
0: So part of it means pay attention to what's going on, right? It's to be alert. Any
3: other thoughts about watchfulness? Uh, Watch out for the wiles of the devil and the false doctrines.
0: Yeah, I think that the watchfulness terminology has to do with that there's a danger at foot, right? There's something else out there. In other words, it's not easy to see. If, you, if, if God tells you to be watchful, the thing that we're looking for is not necessarily obvious, right? It's easy to be deceived and miss it. So you need to be alert, looking for it, searching, searching. Like, like uh, what's the book, Finding the Little Guy with the Red? Find Waldo, right? I mean, you have to be alert to find Waldo. <laughs> Where's Waldo? What did I say? Find Waldo, yeah. Where is Waldo? And so the point is, is that it's hard to um, so devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful. There's a danger of being slothful, sloppy, overlooking, not seeing things, blind spots. Um, that's those are dangers in our heart. So we, um, I heard uh, uh, a sermon recently where the uh, it was Tim Keller and he was talking about. Jesus says, watch out for all kinds of greed. Why does he say watch out? He doesn't say watch out for adultery. Those are really easy to see. Greed is something we lie to ourselves about. We don't think we've got the problem. So watch out, watch out. And so devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful and thankful. Why, Why thankfulness in our prayer? Why, is that? Why do you think it's important to be thankful
2: well, um, I had to define the what thank, Thanksgiving was for kids. It's actually kind of hard. What does it mean to be thankful? You know, we understand it's like an orientation or an attitude. But I kind of boiled it down to acknowledging two things. First of all, that whatever you are thankful for, whatever the thing, the situation, the, the blessing, or the thing that's uncomfortable that you're experiencing, you have to acknowledge that it's from God that he's in control, and that it is something good. So to take whatever you're going through and saying, you know, whether it's comfortable and you love it or it's uncomfortable and it, and you wish it would go away, you have to say, you know what, this is from God, and he's good and he loves me, and I acknowledge that. So it's like kind of like reminding yourself of something true.
0: So, again, being thankful is a good definition, Becky, is is recognizing that something is coming from God, right? And it's coming as a good gift. And if you miss either of those, you're not being very thankful. I think maybe a, another piece I would add is the idea that we don't deserve it, right? It's not an earned thing. I'm, less, I'm thankful for my wages, but less so than if it was a gift. And so being thankful to God is realizing that I don't have the rights to receive it, but I've been given it anyway. And it's a good gift, and it came from God. So he gives good gifts. And so this is a gift-oriented awareness, right? That God is blessing, and I am being benefited from him. So when we pray, when we devote ourselves to prayer, we're supposed to be watching for things that we might be missing, Watching for blind spots in our own lives and being thankful and expectant thankfulness that Jesus is going to do and give us something that's good for us that we did not necessarily deserve. That's a great, that's a great mindset. Amen? Does that make sense? Okay, so the next thing he says, Paul says, and pray for us too. So the first prayers was his prayers for them. And now he's wrapping up his book and he says, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may, we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains and pray that I proclaim it clearly as I should. So do you see the three requests in there? I, I outlined it um, in a moment here. Pray for us through, that God will open a door for our message that we would proclaim the mystery, I didn't spell it right, mystery of Christ. For which I am in chains. So there's a cost about it, right? right? And then that I would proclaim it clearly as I should. So first help me unpack that first part of the request. That God may open a door for our message. Why, why do we have to ask God to open a door for Paul's message? What is, why would we have to ask that? We, would, we should ask that, right? We should ask God, God, open a door for our message. Why do we have to ask God to open a door? What do you think?
4: Um, I like uh, to look for really good tracts that uh, are, you know, people will want to read and are clear about how to be saved. And, um, but I always, when I stick them in my pocket, I always think, I always pray. <laughs> um, show me to whom I should, you know, pass this on to personally. And, uh, Because they, you know, it may be some people are good ground, and I don't know a lot.
0: So one of the reasons we ask for an open door is because we don't know who needs to hear, necessarily. What else might be a reason we would ask God to open the door?
2: Well, just like the parable of the different soils, like Marie alluded to, um... You know, you don't know the context, as Marie said, but it's God that prepares the soil in all those cases. And then if you think about the parable of the sower, he just sows the seeds everywhere, and it's God that makes it grow. And the uh, third parable I kind of think of in the same category, I might be wrong, but when Jesus talks about the good fish and the bad fish, the idea is we just bring all the fish to Jesus, and then he's going to sort it out. He's going to do the work of drawing their hearts or not. So um, we just ask God for opportunities and, and trust him to open the doors.
0: Good. Other reasons you would use that idea of opening a door? Why pray for that?
1: What is that? What else is that saying? Anything? Sort of reminds me of the um, ask, seek, and knock language that Jesus used. You know, if, just reminds me of that. The, the, what you ask for, what you seek for, you know, salvation is one of the things that like God's going to open the door when somebody's asking and seeking for that.
0: So. Yeah, you have not before you ask not. And then there's also, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. That one you were thinking of. Anyone opens the door for me, maybe. There's other. Jesus says, I am the door, right? I'm the good shepherd, but I'm also the door, I'm the way. So the door has other uh, rings with other texts in the Bible.
1: It also encourages our humility. It reminds us that we're not the ones who are responsible to, to use the analogy. We didn't make the seed. All we do is scatter it. We don't till it into the ground. We don't tend it and water it every day. God is the only one who does that. We just have to be faithful to do it. So it Encourages our humility. Good. So we can't make it. If you, um,
0: if if our job was to go and sell a bunch of uh, laundry detergent, right? We would make our pitch. We would work on our demo. We would try really hard. We would get for a contacts li- a contact list. We would go. Um, maybe we'd even go door-to-door, right? And we'd go knock on somebody's door and say, hey, I have this laundry detergent that you need. And all the pressure is on us to come up with the best pitch, the best demo, to find the person who wants to buy laundry detergent. You understand when we're selling a product, it's really hard to do. But this is praying that God would open a door for our message. And like you said, Joel, it reminds us of the humility, right? And the, the seed part that we're not, and um, we don't make it work, but the thing I guess I'm trying to figure, I want to point out is that only God is the one who can make the door open. I, no matter how good my pitch is, no matter how skilled and slick my demo, I can't make somebody's heart open up. And we can proclaim the message all day long till we're blue in the face and, and it won't make a difference in somebody's life. Only God can do this. The other thing that this reminds me is that there is an opposition to the message, right? There are closed doors. There are people who stop their ears and, and they run at uh, Stephen to stone him because they did not want to hear the words that he was saying. And so we need to ask God to open doors because they're closed and only God can open the door. And it's... Um, it's good for us to view this as us cooperating with his effort, right? Okay, so that's the first prayer request, that God may open a door for our message. The second one, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains.
1: What is the mystery of Christ? I guess I would say that's just the gospel in a nutshell, is that Christ died that we would live, that we find forgiveness for our sins, not through any righteous merit of our own, but only because God has forgiven us and shown us grace. There's, there's no effort or part or anything that we can claim, um, hey, look at me, in Christ. It's, it's a, it boggles the mind that there's nothing that we can do except that it's just a gift given to us. I like what you said about it boggles the mind. It's, it's outside of the way we
0: would have done it. It's outside of our thinking. It's a mystery that we would not have come up with. It's also a mystery that's, as Paul would say elsewhere, it's foolishness to the world. This, is, this does not make sense that somehow in all of this great cosmic world, that this person dying on a cross 2,000 years ago makes any difference for me at all? And to believe in Jesus and be, quote-unquote, born again, all of that language is so foolish in the eyes of the world. It's so silly. It's so childish. Wonderfully childish, right?
2: I was thinking about this recently, that all three aspects of the gospel are, are unnatural they're against our nature to acknowledge that we we like to think that we're good not bad and that we deserve things we'd like to I mean it's so unnatural for us to, to say that we lost it all and and then if we recognize that we lost it all it's so unnatural for us to recognize that Jesus did it all you know we go so far we think no one could ever save me no one need, I'm too bad God God's not powering up Powerful enough to do that, and if even if we acknowledge that Jesus did it all, it is unnatural for us to recognize that we get it all. We think, well, he'll probably hold something against me. He probably is still going to treat me coldly for what I've done before. So all three aspects are like increasingly measure of how unnatural or against our nature it is to accept.
0: Amen. For sure that. That is uh, <clears throat> that second part, too, that Jesus did it all. If you told somebody, all right, we're going to send a savior to the earth and he's going to save everybody from sin and evil. If we were writing this story, we would have had him come in power and glory and sweep his sword back and forth. And he comes in weakness and is rejected and despised. It's, it's a mystery that doesn't make sense until you
3: understand the whole story of what's going on. John. If I remember right, Paul also mentioned that part of the mystery is Christ in us, which is a real mystery, how he can be within us.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, for which I am in chains, um,
3: is, is he preparing us to be persecuted? I mean, the, mis- the mystery is a mystery, and it's not going to be understood by everybody. I mean, it already says it's a mystery, but um,
0: we're going to get we're going to get laughed at. Yeah, that little uh, parenthesis for which I'm in chains communicates that this mystery of the of the gospel is not welcomed by the world. It's going. It not only regards it as foolish. It, they regard it as something to hate because it's so narrow, because it's so um, God-oriented, right? There's no glory for man in the gospel. It's not our power. It's Jesus' power. And so people hate the story of, of the blood of Jesus being shed for our sins. There's, there's people who have, who have opposed the atonement, um, categorically because it's some sort of slaughterhouse theology. Why would a person's blood, you know, what are you making? And even going so far that the divine parent uh, child abuse that God did to his son and who would ever do that. And the, the, the shame, the, the, what does the Bible call it? The um, scorn of the gospel or the offense of the gospel. It's an offensive message for me to tell you the truth. You are not good enough to earn God's favor. A person, a, a modestly height, ordinary Jewish person, died for you and he was worthy, and you need to accept him, and you cannot get there on your own. That is so insulting to the world, and they think it's foolish and, and it's offensive. And so, when we pray that God would open a door for a message and we want to proclaim that mystery, we need, we need God's help. That's why we're praying for it, right? And then thirdly, Paul says that I would proclaim it clearly as I should. And I wanted to know what the word clearly was, and it just means to show it out, to show it with light, to just lay it out on the open and let it do its work. And so um, Paul's request is that God would give us an open door, that we would proclaim the mystery of Christ even if it cost us, and we would do so clearly clearly. So that only Jesus gets the glory. Right when we mess the gospel up by adding in, and then you'll be rich, or when we mess the gospel up and, and say you're really not that bad, you know, there's uh, we need it to be clear. Remember how many times Paul was, everybody was listening to, in the you know pen dropped quiet, whether it was uh, Mars Hill or the Jewish leaders or the king, and he would start talking about Jesus rose from the dead and they just started mocking him. What are this babbler saying now? Do you think you can persuade me to be a Christian so fast? And all of this, re- you know, you have to get down to the simple foolishness of the gospel. All right. So that's a good prayer. Amen. So who would like to pray through number one, number two, and number three, and then we'll close. So I need three volunteers who would pray for us these three parts of this prayer. John, you got number one? Who's number two? Joel? And number three? Marie. All right. So how about for microphones efficiency? Can I go one, two, three? All right. So Joel's number three and you're number two. Is that okay, Marie? All right. Thank you, John.
3: Oh, Lord, Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that you have given us a message, oh, Lord. Lord, and we... Pray that you would open doors in our community to proclaim that message, O Lord. And when you open the doors, give us wisdom to see those doors open, that we may enter them to share the message.
4: And Father, um, when you do open these doors... Um, as John said, that we would have wisdom, we would see that it is an open door, and that there, and that there is a great need uh, for people to know how to be reconciled to you. So, Lord, we ask that at that time that we would be eager to proclaim the mystery of Christ. Because you have made yourself known to us and we know that you, um, you have a church that you have set aside and may we be part of uh, this wonderful proclamation to those for whom you have died.
1: God, you are great and you are wonderful. You have made a way that we would be reconciled to you. And it's the way through Jesus Christ. And thats we see it in part. We don't see it in full. It's still a mystery in many respects. Even though it's a mystery, Lord, I ask that you would enable us to proclaim it clearly to those who need to hear it. That we would not add to the gospel message. That we would not take away from the gospel message. That we wouldn't try and share it in a way that makes us look cool, like we're so awesome, believe in Jesus Christ because I'm so cool, but instead, that we would abandon ourselves, abandon our charismas and our intellect, and simply present Christ crucified, buried, resurrected, that we have forgiveness of sins, that we preach clearly that When we confess our sins, you, O God, are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's good news. So I ask that you help us present that, proclaim it, declare it, share it clearly as we ought to, Lord. Humble our hearts as we share the gospel, that it would be clear that you love the whole world. Amen. Amen.
0: <clears throat> well, again, I, I think it's pretty cool that Paul told us to, and God tells us through his word, to be watchful and thankful. We get to watch for opportunities, and we get to be thankful when God brings in the fruit. Isn't that exciting to be part of his kingdom? So thank you again for participating. You guys are dismissed.